uh, I get the opportunity to share and teach, and I do want to just uh, take some time in the Word. How many of you ready to grow in the Word this morning? Amen. I love the Gate Church. I love your, your hungry hearts and uh, your receptivity and openness. Um, I think that uh, we just want to mention, uh, I know that they mentioned several things, 6.30 is the time on Wednesday night. I'm going to talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing on Wednesday nights as a part of my message this morning, and uh, so I'll be sharing a little bit more with you then, but if you're ready, I think we can just jump right into the Word this morning, and uh, I feel like you're ready. Philippians chapter 2 and Philippians chapter 3, we're going to read a couple of passages from the book of Philippians, and um, I really feel like that the Lord just has an assignment for me to just open up some truth that we can lean into beginning this week and over the next few weeks. So Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5. familiar passage, and then we'll read some in Philippians 3 as well. So it's a little bit of reading, but just know it won't hurt you to read the Bible a little bit in church. Amen. All right, I got three amens already just on leading the Bible. I feel good. It says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited or something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every other name. Amen. Now, Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 4. Of course, Paul is writing this whole letter. So he writes Philippians 2 about Jesus. And one of the things I want to draw to your attention to is that he writes Philippians 3 now about himself. And he says, even though I too have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had... These I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as a loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. In verse number 10 of chapter 3, Paul says, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So we're going to circle back to that, but Paul says, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. How many of you know we're still in the aftermath of celebrating the resurrection of Jesus? 
And uh, I want to give a title to this teaching this morning that will take me a little while to get to the point of explaining this. But I want to talk to you this morning from this subject, the cracks are where the light gets in. The cracks are where the light gets in. Lord, we ask you to do what you said that you did to the disciples on the Emmaus Road. You opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and to see you in the Scriptures. And so today, as a Gate Church family, online and in person, we're asking you by your Spirit to open our eyes and open our minds. Jesus, our hearts are hungry to see you in new and fresh ways. We ask you to open our minds. Would you just pray that right now where you're at? Don't let me pray for you. Just say, Lord, open my mind to see you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're in a season where I want to just reach back for a moment uh, even to our conference and just pay attention to what God's been saying to us at the Gate Church. And so if you weren't able to be... um, at Affecting Destiny or in the evening sessions of Affecting Destiny, I have summarized the entire conference in three sentences for you today, and I'm going to share that with you right now. So uh, on the the first night, um, uh, we we heard that God's calling us uh, into His future, and we need to avoid sideways battles. I don't know if any of you heard that, but you need to avoid sideways battles. How many of you know sideways battles will just get you distracted from what God's actually calling you to? On the second night, Pastor William McDowell shared with us that every transition is an invitation. And so anytime you experience disruption or transition in your life, God's invitation is being issued. And Pastor Dwayne White shared with us on uh, the final night of Affecting Destiny, and I believe it was a prophetic word. Uh, for uh, this family is that God is calling us forward. Everybody say forward. Now, in this passage in Philippians chapter 3, there's a very famous part that I didn't read to you uh, where Paul, you'll be familiar with Paul saying, forgetting those things which are behind, I am reaching forward. I'm taking hold of Christ and reaching forward to the things that God has for me in Christ. So I want to maybe say some things that sound pretty basic to you, but uh, they might make fresh sense to you in some of the ways in in the season of life that you find yourself in. Paul's saying here that what I want to do is I want to take a hold of Christ and I want to keep following Him. He's writing the book of Philippians at a latter part of his life and his ministry. He's been following Jesus for a while. And I'm kind of becoming more and more aware that there's a danger. I put myself in the category of people who've been following Jesus for a while now. So I've reached that, that, that I've got that badge or whatever that is. But I found out that that's not necessarily uh, a badge that doesn't come with its own dangers and its own perils. Because people who've been following Jesus for a while can get the idea that we've got following Jesus figured out. And that kind of becomes its own danger in itself. And so Paul finds himself 
uh, as a seasoned person who's been following Jesus for a while, but he said, I'm kind of at a new place in my life where I'm having to take hold of Christ again. And, and there's all these other things in life that I could think about taking hold of, but, I'm, but I'm, I'm finding the Holy Spirit challenging me to take hold of Christ again. And he said, when I do that, what I find is that it's a pull in a forward direction. Paul, in other words, I could paraphrase Paul by saying, when I take hold of Christ, I never find that Christ is calling me backwards. I never find that Christ is calling me to stand still and stop moving. When I take hold of Christ, he's always calling me forward. He's always in my future calling me to stretch my faith a little further. Last week, we heard about how God stretches us into his future. And so all of these things cumulatively that I believe the Lord's just speaking to us as a body. How many of you know we've got to find the ways that that personally speaks to me and my household? And so this morning, I want to try to break some of this down, but uh, just reminding you that um, following Jesus is not like a one-time commitment. Following Jesus is something that I renew my commitment to, and right now I want to say day by day, but I, I'll push that a little further. And how many of you know found that sometimes it's hour by hour? And sometimes when you're raising kids, it's three minutes by three minutes. And sometimes when you're married, it's 30 seconds by 30 seconds that you have to say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. I will not follow my emotions. I will not. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I will not follow what I want. I, I don't need to, to consecrate myself for 21 days in January and figure out and figure that that did me for the rest of the year. I need to learn how to become a daily sacrifice to the Lord. I need to daily and moment by moment offer my life up to Jesus because what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to constantly recommit ourselves to living in the way of Jesus. Now, how many of you know you can't live in the way of Jesus without constantly participating in a relationship with Jesus? See, the way of Jesus is not like four laws and three principles that you figure out and then you go live your life in the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is where Jesus is leading you right now today. Am I doing all right? So um, we, we, we often have, uh, you know, I was, I was interviewed um, this week on a, on a podcast, and, and, and the interviewer said to me, they were, they were kind of one of my thoughts on a few things, and they said, you know, it's almost like the world, and they were kind of talking mostly about the country that they lived in, which is the same country you live in. They said, it's like the collective culture is just in a collective bad mood. Like, everybody's just cranky. Like, everybody's just, you know, I mean, you can't talk about anything without somebody getting, you know. And they said, 
what do you think about that? And I really feel like the Holy Spirit helped me because, you know, I mean, you're live. So it's like whatever you say, it's, it's in there. It's going to be in the. And, and, and I felt like the Holy Spirit helped me. And they said it's like the whole culture is just in this big group bad mood. And what do you think about that? And, you know, I said, you know what I think about that? I think what an opportunity for Jesus people to be alive. When the whole world is in a funk and in a bad mood and negative about everything, what a tremendous opportunity for the people who say we center our life around Jesus and his way to stand out like bright lights and say, hey, we found a different way. We found a better way. We found a, a source of joy and peace and contentment and satisfaction and fulfillment in life that doesn't ebb and flow with the news cycle or with circumstances, our life, our joy, our hope, our peace, our confidence is in a risen king who's on the throne. Amen. And, and I think that what we have to remind ourselves of is the opportunity that we Christians have and that the church has to demonstrate a better way. They said it's like they're in a collective mood and, and they're just addicted to fighting. How many of you found that really the truth of the matter is our, our society is addicted to fighting? We're just, we're just, we just love to fight. Everybody's in a fight. Everybody wants to fight. Everybody's fight. It's like fight night. Every night is fight night. I mean, big fight night. Like, you know, HBO with the guy, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's big time. But one of the ways that Jesus said, now, can I, can I teach this morning? Can I challenge you a little bit? I'll love on you in a minute. Let me challenge you right now. If you read the Gospels, one of the ways that Jesus said that his followers were going to be distinguished from the rest of the world as he looked at Pilate. You remember this conversation? He said, Pilate, you don't understand. My kingdom's not of this world. If it were, then my followers were fight. Now, this isn't Pastor Jay. This is Jesus we're talking about. This is in the red. I'm not going to go make you turn to it, but it's in the red. He said, if it were, my followers would fight. The implication being, you'll know my followers because they'll be the people not fighting. I got, I got 0.5 amens right there. Jesus, you said that. I'm up here on this stage by myself right now. I need some. Are you with me? Now, you, you say, well, wait a minute now. I, you're, going, you're going right now. You're going to the fight scriptures, right? And I just want to remind you that the fight scriptures very clearly remind us that our battle is not against flesh and blood. So here's what I want to say to you. If you feel like fight, fighting, fight until your heart's content in your prayer closet. Can I tell you what your prayer closet is not? Facebook is not your prayer closet. 
Instagram is not your prayer closet. And Twitter is not your prayer closet. So if you want to be a fighting follower of Jesus, fight until your heart's content. But battle a principality and a power. Go fight in your prayer closet. But when you come out, you distinguish yourself from the rest of the world and society by saying, I follow the Prince of Peace. I follow the one whose kingdom is not of this world. Don't distract me with a bunch of sideways cultural battles. I've got a higher cause than any little trifle that the world wants to catch itself up in. Are you doing all right? And so I just kind of have some, you know, so I don't know. I'm just reading. I'm thinking maybe. These are some maybe statements. So you can digest them as you will. Maybe we don't follow Jesus by fighting for our rights. Maybe we follow Jesus by laying down our lives. 3.5 amens. We're going to keep preaching. Amen. So here's the thing. Fighting doesn't require very much wisdom. Fighting doesn't require very much discernment. You know, the sons of Issachar are often quoted, and they're, they're the people that discern their times and they knew what to do. Did you know that the sons of Issachar aren't mentioned during the time of Israel when they were at war? It was after the wars had ceased and David had found peace around all of his borders that the sons of Issachar were needed because it doesn't require discernment and wisdom to fight. Anybody knows how to fight can fight. Just give them a bat and they know what to do with it, right? That doesn't require. But when you get out of warfare and into ruling and governing and really trying to live your life in the kingdom of God, you are not, you're going to need more than just a passion and a zeal to fight. You're going to need wisdom and discernment to say, how are we supposed to be Jesus' people in this day and in this hour? And I just wonder if maybe God is calling the church in our day to stop fighting and start planting. I wonder if God is calling the church uh, to, to cease the addiction of fighting cultural battles because we're actually just fighting a bunch of cultural battles because we don't want to do the hard work of discerning the times and knowing what to do. It requires wisdom, revelation, and discernment. Maybe, here's another maybe statement, maybe, maybe God is asking us to leave behind a warrior mindset and embrace a harvest mindset. Maybe God is asking us, this one's not a maybe because it's in the Bible, so you can't argue with this one, so you just have to deal with it. Amen, I'm dealing with it myself. Maybe God is asking us to turn our swords into plowshares. Maybe the word of the Lord to the 21st century church is that it's time to stop weaponizing and it's time to start entering in and inviting people into the family and into the kingdom of God. Maybe it's time for the church to walk away from lower, lesser, sideways battles and arguments and start finding a truer, richer, higher message that Jesus really is King of kings and Lord of lords. Maybe... God's calling us. So here's what 
Paul is doing is he's saying, I want to be, and this is really the heart of what I want to show you out of Philippians. Paul's saying, I want to live my life in the pattern of Jesus. In the pattern of Jesus. Now, I'm not much of a seamstress, but what I understand about seamstress is that, you know, Pastor Jordan's got himself a fancy short sleeve shirt on. I noticed that while we were tra- while he was transitioning. And from what I understand about how they made that shirt is that somewhere there's a pattern for that shirt. And the pattern is the first one. And the pattern allows them to make shirts that fit and, 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 and are in the image of the pattern. And so what Paul is doing is he's saying, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus. And in order to do that, I'm going to live my life in the pattern of how Jesus lived his life. And so in Philippians chapter 2, here's what he says. He says, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But here's what Jesus did. He didn't grasp for things. He let them go. He didn't exalt himself. He humbled himself. And he didn't fill himself up with self-promotion. He emptied himself. And so Paul says, I'm calling myself a disciple of Jesus. So he said, what I'm doing is I'm trying to figure out how to live my life in the pattern in the pathway of Jesus. So in other words, it's not that Paul said, I'm, I'm just Paul and I want to say a prayer and get Jesus in my heart so I can go to heaven when I die and then live my life how I was living it before. He said, I'm taking a hard look at how Jesus, the true human, the pattern human being, how did he live his life? And then Paul said, that's what I'm going to try to do. And so in Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, here's what I figured out. I figured out that I'm not Jesus, and this is a, a, a limited comparison, but this is what he said. He said, I figured out I've accumulated a lot of things too. People were pretty impressed with me. I had my doctorate degree. I was raised in Sunday school. I never missed a Sunday. I got all the stars and pins. Some of y'all don't know what that is, but that's okay. You haven't been in church that long. But Paul said, I got all the check marks. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I gathered all this stuff up, and so, but I want to be like Jesus. So if I wanted to be like the world, I would just keep all my awards on the shelf, make sure everybody noticed. I'd post on Instagram cute pictures of myself and make sure I subtly let everybody know how smart I was and I'd draw all the attention to myself. But Paul said, I don't want to be like the world. I want to be like Jesus. And what Jesus did is Jesus let go of all of his privilege. He let go of all of his accolades, and he entered into the suffering of the world. So Paul said, how do I do that? Paul said, what I got to do is I got to take all these things that people might be impressed with, and I got to consider those as rubbish that I might know Christ. Paul said the things that the world is impressed with are things that are keeping me from knowing Christ. 
Ooh, I wish somebody would get this this morning. I want you to know the things that you are impressed with, the things that people are impressed with, the things, those are very things that can hinder you and keep you from knowing Christ. And Paul said, I didn't want any of those things to keep me from knowing Christ, so I let them all go. I followed in the way of Jesus, and I let them go. So in a culture that's constantly grasping, it's constantly filling itself, it's constantly taking pride in itself, it's constantly promoting itself, it's constantly trying to keep control, the church has a temptation to fall in to the, 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 the temptation to think that we've got to do the same thing. We've got to grasp, we've got to fight, we've got to defend, and we've got to stay in control. But Paul said, the more I looked at Jesus, I realized Jesus understood that he was the beloved son of God. That his heavenly father was watching over him. And because of that, he was free to let everything go and put his life in his heavenly father's hands. So Paul said, I'm going to do my best to do what Jesus did. And I'm not going to grasp and I'm not going to fight and I'm not going to contend. I'm going to let it go. Let the same mind be in you. Let the same attitude be in you. Let the same mindset be in you that was in Christ Jesus. How do we know what that looks like? Well, Paul's doing his best in this letter to tell you what it looks like. We've just been ignoring it for a long time. Can we pay attention to it this morning? Are you doing all right? So watch this. Discipleship always involves Choosing to live the Jesus way instead of living in the way of the world. It always involves choosing to live the Jesus way. Now, we're getting close. You guys are going to get out in time to get a McMuffin if you want to, okay? So we're getting close. You ready? So here's what Paul says in, in, in Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to get some friends to help me in just a minute. So if you're my friends, you should be ready because I'm going to call you in just a minute. So Paul says, Paul says, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. Then he says, I want to share in the fellowship of his sufferings, become like him in his death, and attain to the resurrection of the dead. Now, if I was Paul and they asked me to write Philippians, I wouldn't have said that that way. Because he said, I want to know Paul, I want to know Jesus in the power of his resurrection and then share in the fellowship of his sufferings. I would have said, I want to share in the fellowship of his sufferings and become like him in his death so that then God can let me share in the power of his resurrection and I can come back and everybody be amazed. But it's interesting to me the order that Paul chooses to talk about this. And I want to talk about your Christian life right now and show you. So, Pastor Songo, I didn't give you a heads up, but can you come up here with Pastor David and Pastor Jordan? You guys are going to have a help me out with an assignment here. Pastor Jordan, you got the longest hair, and so you get to stand up here and be Jesus, okay? You just, you just do your thing. 
Pastor Sango, you got the shortest hair, so you you are going to, let me see who you're going to be. You are going to be a, a Jesus follower, and Pastor David, you're just going to be ordinary. You just, yeah, you got the medium hair, you're just kind of in the middle, right. It's all about the hair. It's all about the hair. Is that good? So, so, look at Pastor Jordan getting, he's getting the part, yeah. All right, Pastor Jordan, let it all go for Jesus, okay? Don't, don't soak it. All right. So, so here's, what, here's what Paul says. He says, this Christ follower, watch this. He gets touched by the resurrection power of Jesus first. So when he becomes a Christian, Jesus is resurrection life and light and power. So the way it begins for Songo, is that he gets touched. How many remember Paul said, you were dead in trespasses and sin. So you started out dead. So what Paul's saying is, you get touched by resurrection life. Now you get to become alive in Christ. So now you've got the life of Christ in you, and it's working in you. It's renewing you. It's healing you and restoring you. Are you with me? Why did you get touched with the resurrection life of Jesus, Paul? So that you could get beyond all your problems and all your sufferings and live a good life on Happy Street? No, Paul says, I'm still trying to figure this out. I want to follow Jesus. So what did Jesus do with his resurrection life? Jesus didn't just enjoy it in heaven. He stepped out of it and entered into all the broken and suffering places of the world and carried that resurrection life everywhere he went. So Pastor David's over here just living in the world. Y'all pray for him. But when you're living in the world, how many of you know that'll cause you to be broken? It'll cause you to be cracked. It'll crawl, cause you to have issues in your life. And just to free you up, I know Pastor Sango, and he got issues too. Y'all were supposed to laugh right there. He's a Christ follower. He's got resurrection life in him. Watch this. But just because he hadn't got his life all together doesn't mean he can't carry resurrection life everywhere he goes. In fact, sometimes the Apostle Paul tells us a little bit of a cracked vessel is actually good for distributing what's on the inside of it. If you got a perfectly sealed up vessel, then everybody might not know what's on the inside. But when the people who are still cracked start taking what's on the inside of them and rubbing shoulders with people who need what's on the inside of them, then resurrection life begins to be spread from place to place. So Pastor Songo didn't need to give it all right. He didn't need to get it all perfect. All he needed to do was say, wow, Jesus has touched my life. He's made me a new creation, and I want to share that everywhere I go. Are you with me? 
So watch this. Here's, here's the danger for Christians like Paul, who've been walking with Jesus for a while, is we can begin to believe that this resurrection life is so benefiting me now that it's empowering me to live a life that avoids suffering. That avoids brokenness. And so if you get real good in church, you'll get a little brokenness meter on the inside of you. And when you run into somebody at church and their little brokenness situation is going off, you find all kind of religious ways to say, brother, it's good talking to you. I got to run over to the water fountain real quick. life to spring up in your life. 
But that comes with an assignment. It comes with a mission. So there's a, a songwriter and a poet named Leonard Cohen who said, there's a crack in everything. That doesn't have a life in There's a crack in everything that doesn't have a life The reason I want to take them is that we're practicing something today, and I'm going to talk a little bit about Wednesday night. Because I know that in church, when we say we don't do some Wednesday nights and we don't have discipleship, then like 1,400 things come into your mind. And about 1,398 of them are not good, if I'm guessing right. So I want to help you with that if you can, okay? So here's, here's what our heart is, right, for our time of discipleship. It's really along what I'm saying right now, okay? And that is this, that there are cracks in the world. or depression. Sometimes these things just come up in everyday conversation. I want you to renew your mind and ask the Holy Spirit to make you a little bit more aware that that's not just somebody going through something. That's, a, that's an opening for a possible seed of resurrection life to be deposited. 
You remember we, we talked about gardens on Easter and on the Sunday after Easter. Can I tell you that not only is God a gardener, but you're supposed to be a gardener. You're supposed to be spreading seed everywhere you go, dropping it wherever you can. How many of you know if you start, God, the Bible says God gives seed to the sower. Some people say to me, I don't know what to say, Pastor Jay. Well, say something. Say so something. Just throw it out there. And God gives seed to the sower. So there's all kind of cracks. Shame, disappointment, rejection. How many of you know church hurt is a big crack in our society right now? A lot of people walking around, and they, you know, it's interesting to me in the Gospels, this is just a quick little side note, but it was oftentimes Jesus' disciples who made it hard for people to get to Jesus. Have you ever noticed that pattern in the Gospel? So you got somebody who's trying to get to Jesus, Brother Herb, and it ain't the world, it's the disciples that are in the way. And I kind of feel like in the 21st century that people keep running into Jesus' disciples, and that makes it hard for them to get to Jesus. But I wonder if at the gate church we became the kind of disciples who said, oh, yeah, man, I'll help you get to him. I know he'd want to see you. Rather than being those disciples that are like, oh, he's important, he's busy, he's, he's Jesus. He has meetings to go to. Let's get the worship team to come up here. Watch this. Our role is to be carriers of resurrection life and resurrection light everywhere we go. And you know how you do that? You don't have to hold a tent meeting. You don't need a track. You don't need a tool like that. All you need is what Jesus is doing in you. All you need is a story that says, man, I was struggling with anxiety, but I found that if I just spend 15 minutes with Jesus, I get this peace that stays with me every day. Can I pray with you about the anxiety you're experiencing? So you don't come off sounding like somebody who's got it all figured out. You come off sounding like somebody who just encountered Jesus, and you want to share the resurrection life and the light of Jesus. So it's kind of really about becoming the people who know how to find the places of brokenness in our world. You know what your world is? Your world is the people that you run into every day. And you know what the great thing about this is? You get to be patient like God. So you don't have to go tell all seven people tomorrow everything you know about God and Jesus and everything he's done and every scripture you memorize. All you got to do is just be you, be Samantha, be Felix, be Bob, be Kay, be whoever you are and be a Jesus person and then look for opportunities. So on Wednesday night when we talk about discipleship, here's literally what we're going to talk about. On the first week, we have, we're going to give you an opportunity to find out about how God's just made you. It's not a personality profile. It's not a spiritual gift inventory. It's not any of that. It's a very simple way to find out how, what's the most natural way for you to have conversations with people about how Jesus. I took it. It, it, was, it was enlightening to me. I told our pastors, let's do this. And so we find out a little bit more about ourselves, and then we're going to spend a few weeks, and all we're going to talk about is how do you really engage? You know, uh, Colossians talks about how making sure every conversation is seasoned with salt. 
And we want to talk on Wednesday night about how you become a person who knows how to have salty conversations. Yeah, salty in the world is like, you know, what I was talking about earlier. But salty in the kingdom is influential conversations. How do you begin to engage and just share your life and enter into conversations that let the light in and let the life in and lead to fruit in the kingdom? I believe if we'll lean into that, then God wants to get us out of battles and warriors and all sorts of uh, arguments and fussing and fighting, and he wants to get us into harvest. He wants to get us into fruitfulness. He wants to get us into abundance. And so that's what we're going to do. It's going to be amazing. You should come, 6.30 on Wednesday night. And we're going to have a time where I promise you, you will be equipped. You will receive things that will help you become a more fruitful conversation maker in the way of Jesus. But I want to do this, if you'll just stand to your feet all over the building with me, I want to do this as we get ready to close very simply. Oswald Chambers said this. He said, a Christian servant is one who perpetually looks into the face of God and then goes forth to talk to others. Can I give you an assignment this week? Your assignment this week is just to spend a few minutes every day just kind of beholding the face and the beauty of God. You know, the Bible says Moses did that and he was glowing. He didn't even know it. How many of you know something good happens when you just sit with Jesus for a few minutes? Just say, Jesus, here I am. Before I rush off to work, here I am. I present myself to you. Would you saturate me with your presence? And then you go forward and just say, man, how many, how many salty, how many fruitful conversations can I have today? How many seeds can I sow today? Holy Spirit, show me where the cracks are today. I want to lean into what you're doing today. You know what else I'm aware of this morning is that maybe there's people right now that those cracks, when I listened to them, you didn't think about other people. You thought about yourself. Anxiety or fear or shame or depression, things that are eating at your life. I'm just going to ask our worship team as we get ready to close. I'm going to pray in just a minute. But I'm going to ask our worship team just to worship really softly, just to lead us in a little bit of worship. And our prayer teams are coming right now. And if you'd like someone to pray with you right now, we'd love to sow some resurrection life right into the cracks of your life today. We'd love to say, hey, we'll just pray a prayer with you. We'll speak a word over you, a word of grace. How many of you know we don't need more judgment dispensers? We don't need more condemnation dispensers. We need more grace dispensers. And so we're just going to be grace dispensers all over Oklahoma City. So if you'd like prayer today as we conclude our service, you're welcome to come down for prayer. We've asked our pastors and some of our teams just to be out in the foyer, in the hallway. We just want to greet you as you go this morning and bless you. So make sure you find them. They'll be in the cafe, in the portico out there. We want to get to know you, meet you, and just thank you for being with us. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for everybody. These guys are going to begin singing. If you want prayer, you can come right now, and someone will begin praying for you. Father, I thank you for the Gate Church family. I thank you for your grace over this house. Lord, I thank you that you are releasing us 
to, to be people who get the light in everywhere we go, who release the life of Jesus everywhere to go. Help us to live in the Jesus way. And so, Lord Jesus, you said that your peace you would leave with us. So I speak your peace over this people. I bless them with your peace, and I release them to go in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.